Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Today you'll be listening to myself, Mark Hirons, and Meg Lewis. Meg goes by the name of Dan, good on Instagram, and is part of the Ghostly Ferns. This podcast is all about finding oneself, being true to yourself, and doing work that you want to do. On the show, we talk about getting inspiration offline, how to get uh, inspiration from yourself and looking within yourself and what you actually like to do um, as passions, as hobbies, and trying to bring that into your work. We also talk about having a purpose, self-consciousness, and comparing yourself to others, along with more chats about the ghostly ferns and how to start your own freelance co-op group. I feel like this is a really important chat to have on the podcast, and some really uh, deep discussions and um, passionate discussions uh, throughout the episode, so I really hope you enjoy the show. And this week's listener of the week is Nicola B. She creates awesome hand lettering uh, pieces and illustrations. So go and check her out on Instagram. That's N-I-C-O-L-A and the letter B. Creative Waffle Podcast has now got a website as well. So uh, we've also got... The Creative Waffle Podcast has now got a website as well. If you've been following along on social media, I've been trying to build that for the last couple of m- months with uh, show notes and... Um, transcriptions and, and just links to everything we talk about on each podcast also we've got a shop where you can buy uh, a t-shirt I'll be releasing a limited edition t-shirts only 20 of them and uh, they sold I think we sold about five uh, already and um, we're about the website up so yeah it's great um, please do go and check out the website and support the show that way uh, yeah thanks very much so without further ado let's get into the podcast there we go welcome to the podcast <laughs> hello Nice to have you on. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, uh, can we talk a bit about you and who you are and how you found design? All good questions. Okay, it's so it's so hard to introduce myself in a way that does myself justice because I think my initial response is always sort of like, oh, I'm just, you know, <laughs> just a person living a life. Uh, all right, so about myself and what led me to design. So I am today, I am, I I would say a designer by trade, but I don't get to design that often anymore because there's so many other things that I do in my career that are outside of design. So I would say client services and client work takes up about 20% of my time. And that's when I'm actually designing. And then the other part of my time is spent managing a lot of things. So I have a shared workspace and event production company here in Minnesota in the United States called Foolproof. And so I do a lot of uh, emails. (laughs) I do a lot of emailing. I do a lot of social media. I do a lot of coordinating of things for that business. And interspersed are some design elements that I try to, to design things as often as possible for because we produce so many events. So there's a lot of design work that needs to be done for that. And it's also a nice exercise in designing a space. So I've been able to do that a lot here in this space. Right now I'm sitting in our in-progress podcast recording studio. It's supposed to launch in a couple weeks. Um, And it's gonna be a space for us to record our podcast here, but also be open to the public to record as well. So it's been a fun learning process to figure that out. Uh, Loads of foam on the walls and everything. And we got the- Yeah, so I will kind of move this camera around. You can see- if you were in here with me, you could also see that the walls and the ceilings are covered in carpeting and uh, we're trying to figure out how to make everything else nice and cushy, but the sound is very dampening and it's very nice. Uh, yeah, so in addition to this space, Foolproof, I also wrote a book last year called Full Time You, which is also a workshop 
and it's also a uh, it's a workshop for individuals as well as teams um, but it is so much more I have a lot more plans this year to write more books and teach more workshops on different topics and it's also um, I do coaching as well for individuals under that same name um, and the last thing that I do is a collective that I founded a long, long time ago, or this is our 10th year called Ghostly Ferns. And we are a group of designers and commercial artists that are now located all around the world. We used to all work together in New York and we kind of branched out and moved our separate ways, um, but we still collaborate as often as we can together under the name Ghostly Ferns. Nice. So those are all of the things that I do today. <laughs> and uh, how I got here is probably just as complicated as anyone else's story. Um, I went to college, I went to school for fashion. Um, whenever I was 18, I moved away to Los Angeles and I went to school for fashion. And in that program, I learned how to at least use design programs. Um, and I also learned that I did not like the fashion industry. It is very competitive, especially in LA. It's very competitive and very cutthroat. And those are two things that I am not. <laughs> so I really struggled with it. And I probably was never going to get that far because I just wasn't able to do the things necessary to succeed in that industry. So. I finished that program and kind of had a soul searching period where I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And in that process, I started an online vintage shop, um, which was really fun because I got to use my sort of knowledge of the fashion industry, but do it in a way that was right for me. Um, and in that process, I also learned that I really liked designing the, the things for my brand and my company. And so that's where I really started to design was things for myself. And so I decided somewhere along the, that process that I wanted to do that for other people. So that's when I went back to school to learn how to do design. And I think I was in the mindset at the time that you had to go to school and get a degree in whatever you needed to, whatever you wanted to do for money. And yeah. so I think in some ways, it was definitely unnecessary for me to go back to school to learn how to do design because I knew I wanted to be a freelancer and I knew I wanted to do things on my own and no one was teaching me how to do the things that I wanted to do in school. Um, so I eventually just sort of stopped going to school and started freelancing and I have been freelancing ever since. I've never had a job. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> That, that must be a dream though, isn't it? Like we're just working for yourself. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing. I've had a couple of things that, and then I get to six months and I realize oh, I can't stick out this job, the same thing every day. I, just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I well, well now I'm totally unfit to have a job. No one would want to hire me. I would be so terrible because I can't, I would not be able to show up at the same place at the same time every day. I've never done that. That yeah. sounds horrifying to me. Um, but it's, it has been really nice to never have a, a jobby job or anyone really telling me what to do every day. It feels good, but I'm also an incredibly self-disciplined person. So I think that's helpful. Yeah, that's good. It must be, must be good when you've got all the, the backside to do it. Cause as you said, you about 20% is actually design and then the rest of it's like emails. And I mean, that's, that's pretty much what designers are emailers. We shouldn't call ourselves <laughs> Yes, I, yeah, exactly. And I am, since I spend most of my time sending emails, I am very good at writing emails. It's probably the thing that I'm the best at. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, you balance a lot of things and um, you come across really energetic on, online as well. Is that how, how true to yourself is that? 
I, I try my hardest to be as true to myself as I can. And I think that some days I'm feeling very energized and very extroverted. And you, you'll see that reflect in my social media because I post a lot more on those days. And then sometimes you'll notice that I don't post anything for a couple of days and it's probably just because I'm tired. <laughs> and so, and some days I'm just not feeling it. And I'm, I'm still myself. If you met me on those days, you'd probably think I was the same person because I am. Um, but some days, or I just get very busy and I forget to post on social media. So social media is sort of like whenever I can post on there, it's still me and it's still how I am in my everyday life. It's just, I post whenever I have both the energy and the time. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's so important like for clients is like getting the real, real personality across because then they'll, they'll pick it up in, in your work as well. Like you've done, like you can see it, like that energetic personality is in the work as well. Have you got any yeah. like, sorry, go on, go on. Well, I think that too, now social media has been very helpful for me, especially Instagram for people being attracted to my personality and being excited to work with me because of my personality. So it's very important that I'm not doing any kind of false advertising because I get messages all the time from people that say, we love your personality and we'd like you to bring your personality and your design personality into our brand. Yeah. And so it's very important that I'm reflecting myself truly online so that whenever they are working on with me, they're not totally shocked. <laughs> Yeah, how important is that, like to to portray your own self and put yourself in your work as well? It's been very important for me. I think for a lot of people, it's really scary, and I totally understand why. Especially if you're in the, in the industry of having a job, <laughs> I could see how uh, being your true self online is probably seems off putting to a lot of people because they think, I mean, maybe future employers might see this and. Yeah. And that scares me a lot whenever I think about it. If I think specifically about individual clients and the fact that I'm tweeting about, I don't know, butts all the time, I, I, it starts to make me nervous to remember all the things that I tweet and, oh God, they're going to see it. What are they going to think? But the more that I do that and the more that I post things about that reflect who I actually am and the way that I really talk, the more opportunities that I've gotten and it's been so interesting to watch that happen because I had been told my whole life the opposite. You know, you're constantly taught in school, don't show people who you really are because it's going to be online forever and it'll prevent you from getting opportunities. But what I've learned through allowing myself to do it is that I now I get opportunities with people who want to spend time with me and people who like my personality. And so that just makes our working relationship even better because they know exactly what they're getting into and they're asking for it. They want to be working with me. And I think that's really fun because before when I was masking my personality, I would just be working for anybody. And a lot of times the relationships wouldn't be that great because we would be completely different people that weren't really, didn't have any chemistry and it was very hard to work together. And so now that people know who I am before we work together and they know what they're getting into, it's really nice because they're excited to work with me and my personality specifically. Yeah. And for young people, a lot of young people listen to this podcast, especially design students, how do you get yourself in, into your work? Oh, yeah. So I think this is really fun because I think a lot of people struggle with finding a design style that's unique to them. I think for, especially for creative designers um, and not necessarily product designers, I think it's, it, it's really helpful to have a style that's recognizable to you. 
Um, I know illustrators and artists usually have this, but graphic designers, it's very hard to identify what could be a style that you can have that no one else has. Mm. And I think that there's a formula that's kind of easy that we can all kind of stick to that will help us get there because otherwise we're just sort of all ingesting the same inspiration constantly. So our work ends up looking the same. So I like to tell people to think back through what's inspired you your entire life. Because I think whenever we're kids, there are certain things that we really latch onto that are probably really influential to us as adults. And those things could be different for everyone. And so whenever I think back through my whole life, I've always personally been really inspired by extremely expressive characters. So people and comedy actors usually who are very expressive with their faces um, that don't talk that much. <laughs> That's so specific. But like for me, I am a huge Mr. Bean fan. I was gonna say, yeah, I saw your talk about it. And, and like, when I came up, I was like, <laughs> yes. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was showing like Mr. Bean all the way from my childhood with my grandparents. Like they would, just, they would just stick it on the, the old one, the original Mr. Bean. Yep. Yep. And, uh, exactly. They would stick it on and entertain us for hours. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, the the concept of of not having to talk and being so funny with just your mannerisms and your face, I think that's really fascinating. And so, as I've gotten older, I think that that's always been really interesting to me as well. Of how you can use your face and how you can use uh, not all of your abilities to show a lot of emotion. Um, and so that's been really interesting to me too. And also thinking back through different points of inspiration for me, it's always been black and white. Things that are black and white have always been very exciting for me for as long as I can remember. And, and so translating that into a style now of showing expression with very little has been really important with my work. So I think if you look at my work, a lot of times it's exactly that. So I, my work is very clean. Um, there's not a lot going on. I'm not very technically skilled as a designer. Um, there are a lot of things that I can't do. If you want something with a lot of texture, if you want something with a lot of gradients, I can't do that. I, it's just not my comfort zone. Yeah. And trying to push that kind of design style out of myself is very hard and it does not look good. No one wants me to do that. Let's stick um, to what you're doing then. Exactly. So finding my style and realizing that I like to show a lot of emotion and a lot of expression with very little has been really important for me. And too, with the black and white thing, that was really exciting to realize because I really lean heavily on black and white and then I use small amounts of color to add more expression. So I think that's a fun exercise for everyone to go through of figuring out what the points of inspiration for them have been since as long as they can remember. Um, because otherwise we're just on you know, Pinterest or Dribbble all day looking at the same things and we end up making the same things. No, absolutely. Yeah, Pinterest and Dribbble, right? they can be killers of in, well, they, they, they can sort of give you inspiration, but then everyone's looking at it, like you say, and they kill, they kill, your, kill your creativity. Uh, at the moment, I've, I've, after watching a talk as well, actually, it sort of triggered a, a thing in my mind. I was like, actually, I am doing that. I am, I am looking at stuff I use, I love, like my whole life. I'm trying to, now that I've realized I don't have any clients, I'm like, okay, I need to do stuff I want to do, and, and I need to push that as hard as I can. And it's yeah. uh, been football, and, and like football, the sport, is, is always, been part of my life and I'm like yeah okay maybe I'll do program covers maybe I'll do like stuff inspired by old old program covers like you might like this as well uh I've got those here but like wacky stuff like that from the 70s um, <laughs> yeah that's neat it's just a massive like, like really blared oh, pink, like, pink uh -huh. 
but yeah it's um but yeah looking at old stuff like that and, and just stuff that's i've had around my house all the whole time and then my dad so it's like yeah i've grown up what looking at those and, and now i'm using them to, for inspiration in my work it's amazing like to see how that progression um and just stuff that i've even like even like learning stuff at school like julian opie is a an artist who uses a lot of thick lines and then colors it in with people a lot of people um i've been using a lot of thick lines in my work and black and white like you say and it's um yeah it's been exciting um by the way i'm not sure if you get got the name of the podcast is uh waffle uh basically in england is waffling is like rambling uh, yeah <laughs> okay yeah so so i might do that quite a bit I might... <laughs> <laughs> so go on just just cut me off uh but but yeah the, so your your book and video sort of uh the course that you're doing i've literally just bought it about two hours before the podcast <laughs> i'm really excited to get into well, it I'll, I'll step out of this room and ship your book right after <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i'm looking forward to that and uh can you tell me what it's about and because i didn't really look at it i thought okay i, I know that i know that meg's and i trust her i know I, i've seen her work for ages and i trust her so i know that it's going to be a good thing so i bought it um tell me what it's about and what i'm looking well, thank you for blindly trusting me yeah <laughs> uh okay so full-time you is uh it's a book that comes with a video series to help you out because as we were discussing earlier especially with your podcast it's really you know people ingest information in different ways and different things work for different people so having videos to watch can be very helpful for some, whereas others like to read and write. So I have both in one package. Um, so the, the thought process behind Full-Time You is that it's a process and a struggle that I went through for almost all my life until I was 25. I didn't really ever show anyone who I actually was because I was extremely self-conscious about my personality in general. And I always thought that everyone hated me all the time. So I really tried to hide anything about my personality and my body that made me unique from anyone else. And so I would try to curate the things that I would say out loud to be the perfect blend of smart, and introspective and, and funny. And, and it was just exhausting, constantly rehearsing things in my head and then saying them out loud. And so it was a series of revelations that I had about myself eventually that led me to having like a completely fulfilling career and, and I made a lot more money and everything was amazing. And the series of revelations that I had was all based in the fact that the things that make my personality and me unique are actually the things that help me to position myself, especially in the creative landscape as an individual. They help me to be more interesting as a person and if I just stop hiding them and push them forward, I was able to find that it got me better work that was aligned more with my interests. It made all of my working relationships so much better because like I said earlier, it helped me to work with people that really liked me for who I am. And so the full-time you book and video series is all about um, helping people to figure out what those things could be for them so that they can create an action plan for having a more fulfilling life and career. And so I teach a lot of things about how your career and your life should all be one symbiotic thing because you are one thing. So you shouldn't have a career that's totally, you know, unfulfilling and making you so unhappy so that whenever you go home at the end of the day, you have to start all these side projects and do all of these things on the side to make yourself feel fulfilled. So throughout the, Book, the workbook and the video series, I take you through a series of exercises that help you to 
first identify all of the things about you that make you different from everyone else. And then you'll create an action plan for actually creating a career that is made specifically just for you. And it's not necessarily promoting quitting your job and becoming a freelancer. I don't do that at all because I know that doesn't work for everyone. Um, but it's a lot about either creating a career for yourself that you've just made up, or it could be about restructuring your role at your current company if you have a job. So it's very much like how you answer the questions leads you down a certain path. Exactly. Yes. Ooh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's how it gets personal. That's how it gets, uh, I guess, related to the reader. Absolutely. So it, it's a workbook that, and the majority of the experience of doing full-time you is the work that you're putting into the book itself. There's a lot of writing from me throughout the book um, and a lot of reading that you'll, you'll be taking in and then you get prompted with questions and challenges and then you have to do the hard work of answering them. Okay, nice. What sort of questions do they ask? Like, can you give us a bit of an insight? Yeah. Um, okay. So it starts out with talking about what your unique personality traits are. Um, these are usually things that people have pointed out in you that you thought were wrong with you and you might be hiding your whole life. Um, so digging up what those things are and pushing them forward is the first exercise. And then we kind of move into things like defining what your skill set is. What are the things that you're actually better at most people then? And retraining yourself to think of those things as powerful and empowering things rather than being embarrassed and sort of downplaying what makes you amazing and what you're good at. Um, and then we kind of go through that list and audit it to decide how many of those things you're currently using in your job. And that's just a really great way to approach your boss or create a new career for yourself that is actually utilizing all of the things that you have to offer because it's very interesting how most people, when they write out a list of 10 skills, most people only use 40% four of those in their job. So it's, it's a lot of figuring out a plan to where you can incorporate all those skills into your job going forward. And then you throughout the book, you'll work on defining an actual life's purpose for yourself, which is really exciting because most people don't have a reason for living. <laughs> so you'll go through some exercises that kind of ease you into figuring out what that would be. And then once you have that defined, you kind of come up with a plan on how you can restructure your job and your life to actually be fulfilling that purpose. And it's really quite easy. It's not that hard. Um, having a purpose normally for most people should be something that's very easy for them to fulfill every day because it's so important to them. And it's, it just comes as a second nature sort of thing. And I think defining what the life's purpose is probably the hardest part. Yeah. What's, what's yours? My purpose is to make the world a happier place. So that's something that's so easy for me to do every day, whether I'm just going to get coffee or if I take on a new client project, it's very easy to do. Um, and then my interactions with everyone every day, it's just, it's, that purpose works really well for me because it's important to me, but it's also something that I think I'm very well equipped to handle and to sort of fulfill every, every chance I get. Yeah. Nice. And the dancing videos as well. And they always make people smile. <laughs> Do you get like a lot of comments and like feedback on that? It's like, because you did one for a client, didn't you as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get a lot of, I should do it more. I was <laughs> dancing a lot more and posting a lot more videos and it got to the point where I was so into it that I rented a photo studio by myself just so that I could record myself dancing. Uh, <laughs> and I enjoy it. I love it so much. 
And I've learned so much about myself in filming myself dance. It started the first time that I ever did it. I, it took me so many takes because I would like make faces that I probably shouldn't have whenever I would record myself. And so now you'll see whatever I dance on camera, I'm always smiling because I've realized that that is very important. <laughs> Uh, yeah, otherwise it looks way too intense if I'm not smiling. <laughs> it's funny though, isn't it? Like, people are very reserved, especially, I guess, I, I'm thinking, like, especially men as well, like, when they're dancing, uh, if they haven't had a few drinks, if, they, if, they, if no one's been drinking, then it's uh, they're very hard to come out of their shell and start dancing. It's, yes. uh, like, uh, I don't know, at, at parties or, or wherever it is, it always seems to be the woman that dances first and then the men, like, sort of hold back into the bar. Um, why? Why? Why is that? <laughs> What's happening? I don't know that I'm, I don't like dancing. Maybe it's just self-conscious. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, the dancing thing was the absolute first thing that sort of brought me out of my shell and uh, made me realize that I was only holding myself back. I think we're all just so fixated on what everyone else thinks of us all the time. We're all so busy being worried about ourselves and how everybody else is looking at ourselves that we're not even thinking about anyone else because we're all just thinking about ourselves. <laughs> and so nobody's worried about you while you're worried about yourself dancing because they're already worried about themselves. Mm. <laughs> so I think that once you're able to, in some small way, let go of that, it doesn't have to be dancing, it could be anything. Once you start to let go of it, you realize that all of the perceived outcomes that you have in your head of what you think is going to happen, they never happened. And, uh, and I think once I started to let go of that, it made me realize, shoot, I've been wasting so much time by worrying about what other people think about me. And it's kept me from doing so many things that I want to be doing. So I think once I had that sort of epiphany, it made me change everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean my sister, like, and, and looking at my sister and she's so self-conscious about other people and what she thinks. And a lot of young women as well. I mean, she's 18. A lot of young girls and women are very, worried about what they look like um comparing themselves to other people and i mean even, even i'm like i'm starting to get over the number the number next to your name like i'm starting to i'm pretty much <laughs> over it now like that following count but then even other people's work you still look at other people's work and it's like oh they're, they're amazing how come i'm not like that and now yeah. I've got in my head like we're, everyone's on their own ladder that's what I've, i'm trying to get around my head now and they're all going up our own ladders and you're comparing yourself to someone which is way higher on their ladder and you shouldn't be looking at their ladder anyway but anyway um, exactly. Well, I think I've, I've always struggled with this and I still do almost every day where you see someone who's like, you're like, man, they have the best portfolio site. Look at it go. It's so good. Why can't I have a portfolio site like that? Or you, you know, you can think about people with that or like that person has time to go to the gym seven days a week. How do they have that much time? Why can't I be like that? And it's so easy to constantly think of things like that about other people, but I think once I came to the realization that uh, we all have the same amount of time in the day and we all use our time in different ways. So some people use all of their time to working on their portfolio site, but because of that, they probably don't have as much client work or they don't have the best job and they're probably looking at you and you probably have something that they want that they're thinking the same thing about. So I think it's just, you have to realize that you probably have something that everybody else wants because you probably spend more of your time on that thing than they do. And so I think once I was able to reframe it that way, it really helped me because especially for me, I don't, 
I can't spend a hundred percent of my time doing one thing because I have so many things going on. And so for me, it gets really frustrating because my businesses could be so much further individually if I could just focus all my time on one of them. Um, and so I can look at somebody else's business who started at the same time and be really jealous about how far they've gotten with theirs. But I just remind myself all the time that I have a lot of things that they don't have because I have more businesses and, and stuff like that. So it's so easy to compare yourself to other people. But like you said, we're all on different paths and we're all doing different things with our ladders. So it's really, it's pointless for us to constantly be doing this to ourselves. I also think it's a little bit like if, if you're looking at other people, and then you slightly turn them into an enemy because you you, you can be, a, what's the word? Like you're envious. And, and if you start looking at them a bit like a hero and like a goal, like you really like that certain point of someone, like going to the gym seven days a week. If you really like that of someone, you, sh- you should try and look at them a bit like, okay, that's a great point about them. How can I incorporate that in my life? Like, right, a bit like more like a hero, or like a goal to have, or like something that you, you should take on your own life if you can, rather than, I'm trying to get it around my own head, but by talking to you and other people about it, it, it just helps a little bit more, more. Like it just helps a little bit. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. And I think once what I've noticed, and this is what I teach with full-time you is once you're able to get really excited about what you have to offer the world and what makes you different from everyone else. And you get actually to the place where you're very much in love with those things about yourself. I've, what I've noticed is it naturally sheds away any sort of jealousy or envy that you have for other people because you start to recognize what makes other people different from you. And it, once you are so excited about what makes you different, you also become very excited about what makes other people different. And I think that that really helps me specifically to start to view people in a different light, uh, more of a supportive and inspiring way, um, rather than thinking of people in a negative way, like you were just saying. Yeah. And for so as someone who's gone through sort of the body confidence, confidence stuff and um, worrying about how they look uh, against other people, how, your advice to young, young women, what would that sort of, what would that be? Well, I think that one of the biggest things that I don't understand about humans is that for some reason, we all want to be the same. Um, we all want to be this version of a person that we're told we're supposed to be since we're born. And it's really frustrating because we're all supposed to look and act a very specific way. And that's why they keep getting us to buy new things so that we will look and act a specific way. Obviously, consumerism is a mess. Um, But what happens is none of us are that way. None of us are that person that we're supposed to be. And so we just keep doing more things and making ourselves feel worse because we're never going to be that person. And it's really hard to retrain your brain to think that, to accept the fact that you're not going to be that person. And the person that you are is actually better than that because we're all so individual and we all have so many things specifically to offer ourselves that no one else in the world does. And so that's why, that's exactly why I started Full-Time You is because I was so excited to teach that for people and help them identify what those things are individually for themselves so that we can all just restructure our brains to start thinking uh, more positively about what makes us different and start pushing them forward rather than hiding them constantly. Nice. That's good advice. Yeah. And um, I think that that works for, for any and all genders because yeah. I mean, men have it just as bad even of, you know, we're supposed to be a certain way. And if you're not that way, then it's wrong. 
And so this is something that I think benefits everyone equally. Um, we all don't like ourselves <laughs> to a certain extent. And especially it's seen as a terrible thing if you do like yourself. It's almost like you can't like yourself too much or that's weird. So it's it's a messy a messy place that we're in right now where we're not we're not supposed to like ourselves um and if we do it's also bad and it's it's a mess but i think that it's doesn't have to be and once people are able to finally embrace what makes themselves unique i think we're going to get a step closer to being less jealous of others and also just being more comfortable with ourselves yeah i always think of the uh song another brick in the wall like when, I, when i have this sort of conversation yeah I, it's strange uh, but it must be coming from that like student like life and, and school life when they're all trying to push you to university they're all trying to make the perfect student that mold uh, almost like a cookie cutter trying, and then they push you to, to university and then they push you to the next step life and and jobs and it's always trying to push you along something there's always that i don't know i'm trying to get my head around it but there's always this thing that the, the whole government and the world is trying to seem like they're pushing you to do something um, like society, but I don't know. I'm talking crazy stuff now. <laughs> no, you're, you're you're right. Well, I think that it's, and that's what happens now. I think especially on social media, especially Twitter, where like all tr we all want everyone to be the same as us, and so we make a lot of su subjective statements about like, did you see that um, that thing that was going around of like, how do you write the letter X? Aye, aye. So there was this there was this image um, going around of like x amount of ways, seven different ways or whatever that you can write the letter x, and which like depending on which direction you write which stroke oh. going in which order, and so everyone on Twitter was sharing this image and they would say things like, uh, "If you're not number six, then you're a you know a criminal or like." <laughs> Like, you can't be anything but number five. And so, like, we're constantly making statements like that. Um, like, if you're not like me, then you're bad. Um, and I think that that's so dangerous because whenever it's as small as about something like that, it's it seems harmless to people, but it makes others feel like outsiders and it makes others feel wrong for just living their lives the way that they are. Um, and think about how much worse it is when we're talking about something bigger than the way that you write the letter X. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's hard because we're constantly making statements to one another, um, implying that people are wrong if they like something that's not what we like. Uh, and it's it's really messy and very complicated, but that's what I'm trying to retrain people's brains to do is to start thinking like, I write my letter this way and you might write it another way and that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's so much no, like, just instant, instant people saying, like, with social media, you can be so instant and, and just say, oh, you're wrong, and not even think about it, not even think about why they're thinking that way. You can just say, oh, you're wrong, no, I'm right. That's it's so frustrating. Um, it it's is. important conversations, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, moving on from that big topic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So the, the ghostly phone stuff, uh, I'm not uh, how, many, how many times have you talked about this like, with other people? Probably quite a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, not not often enough. I think that ghostly phones, we, we all want more people to do what we're doing and more people aren't doing what we're doing. So I, we're always, all of us are very happy to talk about it. Good news, because I want to copy you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. 
Yeah, but uh, there, there's some really exciting stuff that you're doing. Were you the first sort of people in the, in the space to do that freelance cooperative thing? Yeah, maybe. I think that we are, I think artist collectives have existed for a long time. And especially in the music industry, you get like a lot of rap groups and things like that where they're independent, but they also make things together. That's sort of how we feel like we are um, because we aren't, we're not necessarily fine artists, um, but we all work in the client space. So we all work with clients and we all have our own individual things to offer clients. Um, and we're doing it in a way to where we are not exactly an agency. People don't necessarily hire us like an agency very often, um, but people most likely hire us a la carte because we each have our own specialty. So we're somewhere, a kind of undefinable place that's between um, being a, an artist collective and being an agency because some clients, I would say twice a year, a client will hire the whole group to do something. And it's amazing, but it doesn't happen that often because we do have our own specialty and usually the client will know which person they want to work with. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and does that work better uh, as separate people doing separate things? Because if someone was starting on, the, on their own and, and they did it all branding and they wanted to do a branding one, I guess it'd be quite hard to divvy up the work and, like, and share it around. Yeah, and I think that it this method for us, with the fact that we have completely different skill sets and different things that we can offer, it is less complicated for us. We're all about the least amount of complications. And because none of us want to spend the time working on a business, so we try to keep things as easy as we can and as carefree as we can. And if we had competing uh, skill sets, and if two of us were brand designers, it would be really hard to figure out who should take on this project and all of that. Um, and we do overlap in some small areas, but it's always our work and our interests and the things and ways that we would describe an ideal project is so different for all of us that if something came to us that was a slight overlap, we would know immediately who would take it because we know each other well enough to know who would want which thing. That's cool, that's good. Is there anything you'd do differently if you started it again? Uh, that's a great question. I think that we, there was a lot of guesswork. There has been a lot of guessing and a lot of people give us advice and especially in the beginning of telling us to expand. So we were constantly told that we needed to become more of a business and we had so much popularity and success that we should keep growing. And so for it, we spent a few years trying to grow and trying to figure out what that meant to us and doing it in a way that people were telling us to and giving advice to us as doing. And so we kept trying to add more people or try to figure out how we could work with more cities or make our process more intense and offer more things. And that never worked for us because our core group of people, we understand what Ghostly Ferns is and we like the way that it is. And I think that a lot of the world doesn't understand that. They don't understand what we are and they don't understand why we wouldn't want to grow. Um, so once we were able to identify the fact that we don't ever want to grow, we don't ever want to be bigger, a larger company, we don't want to have more of a business. We don't even, as a company, we don't really want to make money. Uh, so once we realized that that is how it should be for us, it got much easier. And I think, so I think our biggest mistake has always been listening to the advice of other people because it just never felt right for us. So now that we know that, it's, it's good. 
So kind of yeah. So it goes back to like just thinking about what you want to do. That's good. That's cool. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you like how you did it now. <laughs> so it sort of seems a bit seems a bit on the other end of it. Um, but yeah. So so <laughs> as you do as you do start it, uh, how did, how did you? I mean, what were the growing pains? Like, what should I look out for if I'm going to start my own one? Yeah. So I think that. Um, so if you're trying to start a collective or, you know, anything where people are equal, um, it's very important to get the right people. Um, it can be, it, it, pe relationships are very hard, especially working relationships. And if you're doing something that's a little bit ambiguous and not easy to define, it's very confusing. And so finding the right people who just understand what everybody wants, who just get it, that is what you're looking for. Um, because I know other people who have tried to start similar groups to ours and it's really not worked out for them because it's, it's such a hard thing to define and you kind of make it up how you want it to be really, um, which is what we love about it. Uh, but it's hard for people because people like structure and they like to know what they're doing and they like to know what they're getting into. And so it's, you just have, have to make sure that you find the right people that you're just clicking with where you really get each other and you really respect each other and you care about one another because i think for us it works so well because we love each other so much and we care about each other's happiness and success and it's just such a supportive group that in the past we've had people go and get full-time jobs and leave and move on and it's never there's never any issue because we want each other to succeed and we want each other to um be as happy as they can be and a lot of times that involves leaving the group or, or doing something different and that's fine because that's what we want for them um, so there's truly never really any drama or anything for us um, because we care about each other so much so it's all about finding a group of people that truly gets each other truly wants the same things and cares enough about each other that they just want everyone individually to succeed Cool. Yeah. So I'm a bit, of a, a bit, that's a bit of a crossroads with that. So I've got all my friends and I say we're real life friends, like from school and everything. Uh, they're, they're all at university. They're not really designers. Um, and the ones that are designers and the people I've online that are designers, they all do branding and I want to do branding. <laughs> so like, how does that work? How do I, how do I find people that I can tr eventually trust? I guess it's, it's not, it's probably not going to start straight away in that sense. Then it worked extremely well for us to work um, at a, we met at a shared workspace. So we were all working at this workspace together independently, not associated with one another. And we were sort of just sitting at desks near each other. And that was really nice for us because we got to be around each other every day and get to know each other. But we also were around each other in sort of a work related capacity. So we knew that we were all good at working with clients. We were really good about coming into work every day and we were uh, liked usually by our clients. And so it was nice to kind of vet each other, I think that way to realize, cause I think that's a hard thing with working with anybody who's a freelancer is most freelancers are very bad at, <laughs> at being freelancers. They're bad at communication. They're bad at deadlines. And uh, so it's a very, it's pretty rare to find someone who can do all of it. Um, 
And so we were able to see those qualities in each other by working in a shared workspace together. So if you can get ever to that situation where you meet people in a, in a circumstance like that, I think it's really helpful because just blindly going into a work relationship with someone is very risky and so scary because you really never know how it's going to be until you're into it. So I think like figuring out a way to have a trial period or just working and collaborating on projects together could be really helpful before you dive into a business arrangement. Okay, cool. That trial period idea sounds good. I was just, I was just as you're talking, I was thinking of the person I want to be doing it with. I think I might have to go to come to America and, and trial with it. <laughs> well, too, I think, I think just finding a way to, if they're not near you, finding a way to collaborate with them as as many times as you can just to see if you work well together if you have the same communication style um you just you never know until you're in there so find ways to make a trial in any way that you can and that should be really helpful yeah and there's people there is people in the uk that i'm i'm potentially doing it with but i haven't spoken to them about it yet <laughs> um, you have options <laughs> yeah, the thing is with me I, i'm really impulsive I, I just want to go on and do it um and i think this is something that i need to relax on i need it's something that's going to take time i need to find the right people because i don't want to rush on it does yeah. and it should i would hope that i mean in many ways you should be strategic about who the people are but i yeah. think that it should definitely be organic and just happen and um be mutual it's kind of like dating someone you've been friends with for a long time like you just want it to happen naturally where you both agree to move forward together <laughs> yeah yeah uh that's interesting it's a really interesting concept because it, you don't see it that, that often even though it's pretty decent it's a good idea it's a great right? idea. it is great we love it it works really well for us um i recommend it to everyone it's so nice having people around to support you every day with all the projects that you work on it's very nice to have whether they're with you in person or just over the internet it's nice to just report to people every day and have someone to give you advice whether it's design feedback or just helping you word a different difficult email it's just really good to have a support system that's there with you every single day and cares about you and and wants to see you through everything that you're doing it's so nice i recommend it for anyone yeah i mean that, that's something that's not i haven't really struggled with personally because i've been doing the podcast but i know a lot of freelancers uh struggle with being on their own and and like loneliness um working on their own studio and then no one's around them and no one asks for advice apart from online people and you only meet at once a year at design conferences <laughs> yeah. yeah yes so. it's yeah it's a nice way to just kind of surround yourself with people that are that are of like-minded interests, but also just there to support you. Do you think that we're going to see more of this in the future or do you think it'll just steadily grow still? I hope so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I, I, I have found a lot of benefit from viewing fellow freelancers as friends and not competition necessarily. I have always gotten most of my work from other designers. Um, just people passing on work to me and vice versa. I give a lot of work to other designers. And, and so it's been really nice for me to think of the industry in that way. That's why the fashion industry didn't work out for me. And that's why I love the design industry because as argumentative and critical as we are, we're also very helpful for one another and, and we care about each other. And I think that's really special. And um, having that mindset I think is really important because I know a lot of other freelancers that assume that their fellow freelancers are competition. So it's very easy to operate sort of out of fear 
of thinking, oh, they might take my work or all those people are doing a better job and I have to catch up. And it's very easy to get into that mindset because it's sort of true. We are competing, I guess, in some ways, but we're really not. We're all very unique and we all have our own idea of what an ideal project is for one another. And so I think reframing it is really helpful. So I think as I, I would hope that as more freelancers get into that mindset, they'll want to work with each other and collaborate with each other on more things rather than sort of separating themselves from others. Yeah, that's lovely. And I've noticed that with the podcast that people are always willing to give up their time and, and help and help. Uh, but there's, there's a really nice saying from a woman called Diane Gibbs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Um, yeah, she she says everyone in the design industry is like a petal, a petal on a leaf on a flower, um, and we should all come together and, and become one big flower. <laughs> oh, it's so sweet! <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, that's 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 always stuck in my mind ever since you said it to me. So yeah, cool. <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. So the last like four questions, uh, the last two are a bit deeper, uh, which is cool. Uh, we, this has deep been a deep podcast already, but. Uh, <laughs> So the first one, what is your best overall bit of advice for creatives? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, I would definitely say that, um, I mean, I've kind of capped this up, but I would say that my biggest piece of advice is to always operate out of love over fear um, because it it only helps you. I think it's very, it's so easy to get in that mindset of, of, being scared and being afraid, especially as freelancers of what's going to come next. Where is it going to come from? Um, how are you going to survive and, and how much are you going to charge? And, uh, I have to charge more than these people or less than other people. And it's so scary and it's easy to allow yourself to get into that mindset of operating out of fear. But once you switch it over to thinking of the design industry is just being really helpful and collaborative. It's so helpful because you can, and I, I do this all the time. I'm anytime I need to charge for something, I message my friends that are designers and say, is this okay? I was thinking of charging this price. What do you think I should do? And that's how a friend messaged me last year. And she was like, just so you know, if you're charging in San Francisco, you can charge 50% more than you were charging. And so I wouldn't have known that unless I asked my friends. And, yeah. and these aren't, I mean, when I say friends, I just mean like design internet friends. These are people that count because we talk to each other, we message each other, we're in communication with one another about what we're doing. And whenever I find myself without work, I ask them for help and I say, hey, I don't have anything right now. If you know of anything, let me know. And every time I do that, somebody will give me something. And if I had isolated myself a long time ago and thought of all these people as competition, I would not have gotten anywhere at all. I would be charging, you know, like $20 an hour. I would be uh, probably struggling to get work. I'd be, I worked on medical brochures a lot when I first started freelancing. I'd probably still be there. You know, I would, I would be struggling a lot more if I hadn't had uh, thought of the industry as friends over anything. So that is usually and definitely is my biggest piece of advice. Awesome. I love it. Uh, what's your best purchase under a hundred dollars? Okay. I know exactly what my best purchase under a hundred dollars is. It is, I had, it was probably around Christmas time and I went to a bar and I drank a lot of mold wine and I bought on Amazon. I bought a, uh, it was a toilet seat cover that looked like Santa's face 
and then it came with a toy the top of the toilet cover that was a little chimney with snow on it and then there's a rug that i think was like santa's shirt and then also was a tissue cover that was a little chimney with a fire smoke coming out of it uh that you put on top of the toilet and all of that i believe was like 9.99 it was a very good price <laughs> I still, it's, it was a horrible purchase. I mean, a horrible decision. I don't know why I did that to myself, but every year I bring it out. <laughs> That's amazing. That's it. You have to send me a link to that. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was great. I love it. It's That's, very cheap. That's definitely, yeah. <laughs> That's definitely the wackiest like, like, answer I've had to that question. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Now to get maybe a bit more serious. Um, no, but what's like the, best values to live by what's your like if you had to live by a couple of values what would you say they are um yeah yeah, i think that uh for me i have a few values that i think have been really important to me for as long as i can remember one of them is uh the value of safe spaces and creating them for people that's been something that's been so important to me for as long as i can remember before i could even identify what i was talking about um I think that everyone deserves a place where they feel safe enough to be themselves. And it's very hard for people to find that. And so it's really exciting whenever you do find that for yourself and you find a place where you feel supported enough and comfortable enough to just be yourself. Um, Most people will go their whole life without finding a place like that. And I think especially if you grow up somewhere where you don't feel supported or you feel like, you know, you can't be who you want to be it can be really very challenging and especially if that's the situation when you're growing up when you get older it can be really hard to adjust to that um so that's something that i value a lot and i think that a lot of the work that i do is always trying to help people with that in some way um so i'm going to continue doing that for us as long as i can trying to think of another another value um I'm trying to think if there are any values I have about design because I I don't often, I don't really think about design that much. Um, I'm definitely not that designer that's like talks about it all the time. I think I only talk about design if someone makes me. <laughs> um, I don't really have many strong opinions, especially on design because I think it's crowded with opinions already. So I'm trying to think so desperately if I have any values about design. Um, but I do not. I would say that, um, especially because I think my career has been really interesting because whenever I first started out, I've always had the same style that I have now. And when I started freelancing and designing, we were in a time when serious design was what was popular. And it was really hard for me to find work. It was hard for me to sell my work to companies because they didn't want to seem friendly. They wanted to seem serious and be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And so the design industry has changed so much since then to where it's caught up with me, which I think is really exciting. And I think right now, um, it it gets to the point now where I'm not in no way claiming that I started a trend or a popular style or have anything to do with that. I don't at all. I think I just got lucky in the fact that design has come into a place where my work is acceptable (laughs) and wanted by people. Um, But I think right now we're in a place where we're pointing fingers constantly and 
a lot of people send me, I would say every day people send me links to things saying somebody's copying my work. And I think it gets really exciting for designers to, to know that someone is copying them because it's, it's exciting to be copied. It's exciting that your work is loved enough to, for somebody to like want to claim it as their own. Yeah. Um, and so I think it gets people excited. And so people are constantly pointing fingers at each other and saying um, that they started something or that they're the reason why someone else is where they are today. And it's really easy to get upset with people or jealous in those moments. And for me, I think that uh, my work, I in no, like I said, I in no way created a design style. And so, but it, it upsets me that people are constantly sending me things every day, um, trying to get me riled up and trying to get me upset at other people. Um, unless somebody were to copy something of mine um, exactly, I can't possibly claim that I created uh, a style and owned that style so much to where um, I, I, somebody just using the same colors as sh or shapes as me has copied me. Um, so I think that that's definitely something I value is being open enough to allow people to um, be inspired by the work that I make and be humble enough to know that I'm not the one that <laughs> is responsible for a movement. Um, and I think being open and being excited about the fact that other people and the industry as a whole has caught up to where I am and that this is probably the best time for my career because I'm sure that the industry will move away from my style very soon. And so I think that's been really important for me the last couple of years is to just be excited about this time right now. Um, when I think I'm in a magical time where everything has fallen right into place to where it's kind of caught up to me. And it's, it's a very exciting time. So I think looking to it as being exciting um, and good rather than being negative, I think is, is very important to me as well. What, what do you that think was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, it's good. Uh, why, why do you think the industry is gonna move away from, from your work? I think that it's going to move away from my work just because that's how trends work. We always go to opposites. Um, I guess that that's just the ebb and the flow of earth and what we do is we like one thing and then we get tired of it. So we're eager for the complete opposite. And so I think that's why we were so serious for a while and now we're so fun. Um, and so I think that we'll go back to being more serious eventually. But my hope for the future is that we will get to a place where all styles are accepted and, ex and, and we're excited about all different things and exploring what all of our options are rather than constantly picking one direction and going hardcore for that direction. So I'm really hoping and I'm very optimistic that that's where the design industry will go towards and that's where trends will go. Um, but I can't say for sure. <laughs> Hey, that's in that's in life as well, you know. That's not just a time. Like, we're all hopeful that everyone's everyone can be included, rather than everyone can join the party, rather than like exactly. Just one group. Yes, yes, yeah. totally. Like it. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? Is the last question. Um, I would like to be remembered as uh, I. That, that's a very hard question. Oh my god. Um, when I was a kid and growing up. I thought I was destined, I was like the kid that was like, I am destined for greatness. Everyone will remember me. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was like, I'm going to do something very important. And 
And I think that that was good for me to think as a kid because I used to also think that everyone hated me. So I think that the the fact that I trusted myself enough, enough to know that I would do something great eventually <laughs> was was good. Um, and so now I think I, I kind of fluctuate between days where I'm like, I gotta change the world. I have to do really good. I have to, not in a way of being remembered, but just in a way of at least leaving some kind of impact that's positive. <laughs> um, and then other days I'm like, I just don't want anyone to notice me. I want this to be over. How do I stop this? I, <laughs> there's no stopping this train. It's going too fast. <laughs> and uh, so I think that somewhere in between is where I would want to be remembered. I think that I definitely would want to be remembered as having made the world a happier place. Um, but I think as I've gone on in my life, I think I just want to be remembered by the people that know me, um, whether that's on the internet or in real life as having made their life happier in some way. And that's, that's all I care about. Awesome. I, I love can't it. control anything else. <laughs> yeah. Do more of them dance videos, you'll be fine. That's right. I just got to keep doing that. Got to rent that studio again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find you and say hello on the internet? You can find me at my social media handle is at darn good with four, four O's, four O's in good. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. Um, also, my website is darn good with regular amount of O's, dot co, darn good dot co. Um, and then full-time you is full-time you dot co. Awesome. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, it was a really important discussion uh, and, and one that I'm, I'm really proud of. Uh, I've really enjoyed this podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, please do share it on Instagram, uh, on Instagram stories. It really does help out um, and gets the word around. Maybe leave a review, maybe uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know, it all helps. Thanks very much, and I'll see you in the next episode.